The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to C. diff, spores, and more with your host, Nancy Kerala. We are here to discuss C. diff, healthcare-associated infections, and other related healthcare topics. Now, here's your host, Nancy Kerala. Welcome and thank you for joining us today on C. diff, spores, and more global broadcasting network. We would like to thank our sponsor, Clorox Healthcare, for making this program possible. Visit the Clorox Healthcare website to learn more about their products, keeping environments safer. CloroxHealthcare.com forward slash C. diff radio. Today we welcome our guest, Dr. Kevin Gary, Chair, Department of Pharmacy, Practice and Translational Research, Professor of Pharmacy Practice at the University of Houston College of Pharmacy, Houston, Texas, and Dr. Richard Vickers, Chief Scientific Officer at Summit Therapeutics. Joining us today to discuss... Ridden Ilzol and a microbiome preserving antibiotic for the treatment of a C. difficile infection. At this time, I would like to introduce and welcome our first guest, Dr. Richard Vickers, Chief Scientific Officer at Summit Therapeutics. Welcome to the program, Dr. Vickers. Thank you very much for having me on. A real pleasure. Well, thank you so much for being here, and we're so grateful that you are. And we'd like to take this time and ask you um, to tell us a little bit about yourself and when you got involved with Summit Therapeutics. Thank you. Yes, so my name is Richard Vickers. I'm now Chief Scientific Officer for our efforts in infectious diseases at Summit. Uh, Summit PLC is a company that was founded in 2003 that span out from the University of Oxford in the UK, and that's when I joined the company, actually. So I've been here from the very start of the company and have seen it grown in the last 10 to 13 years or so. Um, Certainly, my background and my interest has always been in infectious diseases, and I've worked in numerous indications um, over the last number of years, but really, I'd say over the last sort of five to eight years, my focus has really been on Clostridium difficile infections, which is obviously why I'm here today and hopefully uh, take you through some of our exciting um, work that we've done in this area. Fantastic. So much. We appreciate that information. And Dr. Vickers, um, as you had said, you've been with Summit from the start. Can you please tell us more about Summit and its history? Oh, absolutely. So we're a biotechnology company. We have offices in the UK and the US now. Um, As I said, we span out from the University of Oxford in 2003, and really that was based on some very exciting basic research that was happening in the university at time, and it was time to really translate that into developing medicines for serious diseases with high unmet medical need. And really since that time in 2003, we've developed and grown as a company to now have two main clinical stage programs that we're working on. 
Uh, one of these is developing disease-modifying treatments for a, a rare genetic disorder of young boys called Duchenne muscular dystrophy. This is a fatal muscle-wasting disease. And we're now in clinical trials in patients with our first drugs in this indication. And we really think we have the potential here to slow or even stop the progression of this disease, um, irrespective of the underlying genetic fault. But probably far more pertinent to today's program and to your audience is our program developing ridinilazole. So this is a, a novel antibiotic that we're specifically developing for the treatment of C. difficile infection. Wonderful. And thank you so much for that overall history there. And Dr. Would you mind, um, we're so excited to learn more about your promising new therapy for C. difficile. Could you give us a little bit more information about that? Absolutely. So ridinilazole, as I say, is a novel antibiotic that we're developing specifically for the treatment of Clostridium difficile infection. And one of the key things and that makes this compound so unique in this area is its incredibly targeted spectrum of activity. So by that we mean it inhibits the growth, it targets Clostridium difficile bacteria, but has little or no activity against other bacteria. So highly specific to C. difficile. Um, and obviously this is very important when one's considering the disease itself. We know the importance of the microbiome, that complex community of bacteria that live in our gut that have protective effects against the development of C. difficile infection. So having highly targeted antibiotics, highly beneficial in this um, area. And in particular, this highly targeted activity would result in greatly reduced rates of recurrent disease. And as we'll hear through the course of the program, recurrent disease is really one of the big unmet medical needs in C. difficile infection. And our therapy really looks like it's making significant uh, inroads into addressing that problem. Exactly. It certainly is. And we appreciate that also. And doctor, can you share with our listeners what stage of development this new therapy has reached? So we very recently completed a phase two clinical trial. So a phase two clinical trial is the first time that you actually um, look at the efficacy of your drug actually in patients. So it's the first time we've been into C. difficile patients. We've recently finished that study and started reporting much of the data from it. And really, we were very, very encouraged by what we saw. I mean, it was it was more than we could have hoped for, to be honest with you. And it really looks like that whole hypothesis of the drug reducing rates of recurrent disease has actually played out now in these phase two data in, um, in C. diff patients. And we're very much looking forward now to moving the compound into the next stages of development and larger clinical trials. And I think as well, We've had real strong support from both the scientific and medical community all the way through development of this um, compound. So not only does that include groups like the Wellcome Trust in terms of funding the, helping to fund the program, but also working extensively with world-leading labs out there across the world, um, not only on the basic science, but also in really helping to shape the whole uh, design of what we want to do with ridinilazole and for the future. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Vickers, for sharing this introduction and information with our global listeners today. Um, At this time, I would like to introduce our next guest on today's show, Dr. Kevin Gary, who is the chair of the Department of Pharmacy Practice and Translational Research Professor of Pharmacy Practice at the University of Houston College of Pharmacy, Houston, Texas. Dr. Gary, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you very much, and thank you for having me on the show. 
Um, I must say I'm very impressed with the C. diff foundation and what you do for patient advocacy is really tremendous. So congratulations to that. Uh, Thank you so much. So our our college is in Houston, Texas, in the middle of the Texas Medical Center, which is the world's largest medical center. So if I was a better golfer, I could hit a golf ball and hit about 5,000 hospital beds from my building. So (laughs) so in in our department, we're focusing on translational research, which people describe as bench-to-bedside. So what we're trying to do in the lab is impact what, what affects patients. So in C. diff, for example, I would, I would go see patients in the hospital with C. diff disease, uh, gather clinical information f- from them, follow them forward at time to see if they get better, see if they have recurrence, and then take them back to the lab, take samples back to the lab, uh, blood, stool, and do research that hopefully can translate back to the, back to the bedside again. So with that, we have a very active C. diff research lab, and we collaborate with many, many, many people in all over the world, and that includes with Summit, and that's how I met Richard, and that's why we're talking today. Well, we certainly appreciate that so much, Doctor, and we're delighted that you have been able to join our program today. Thank you very much. We know that our global listeners will be quite interested in hearing your view on um, a C. diff infection and what you see as the current clinical challenges and issues that face patients. If you wouldn't mind sharing that with us today. Sure, I'd I'd be delighted to. So uh, until very recently, and let me me start by saying as a professor of pharmacy, obviously I'm very interested in the treatment of C. diff. I would be a, a drug guy and interested in the drugs to treat it. And so until very recently, we only really had two good drugs that could be used to treat C. diff, and that was metronidazole or oral vancomycin, which many people will recognize. And up until recently, both were very good at stopping the diarrhea initially, but up to a quarter of patients would have recurrence. Now, because up until recently, there was really nothing we could do, I would say we almost ignored that fact that a quarter of our patients would fail. But with the introduction of a new drug called fidaxomycin and now with new drugs in development like ritidinilazole, recurrence has really taken a step forward in terms of this might be something important to research. And I'm sure listeners of your show, their blood must boil when they hear nuisance diarrhea because I've never, ever heard a C. diff patient describe it as nuisance diarrhea. It's, it's, it's debilitating. And so I've done a lot of research looking what, how does recurrence actually impact patients? And so, for example, if you're hospitalized with C. diff and you're discharged, and let's assume you have a 25% chance of recurrence, half of the time that recurrence will land you back into the hospital. And 10% of those patients go directly to the ICU. So obviously that doesn't sound like nuisance to me. That sounds like debilitating disease. And I think more and more that's, that's becoming appreciated. And I think it's the push of these, these therapies that can potentially prevent recurrence, which is causing that vision to get expanded, which is great. And then the, the other area I've really explored is seeing, well, how does this truly affect a patient? And you can do that in two ways, by patient-reported outcomes, where you're sort of a very open-ended question saying, how is this affecting you? the patient with C. diff. And the other way is a quality of life score, where you ask very directed questions, and at the end of 30 questions, for example, you'd get a number, zero meaning very, very bad quality of life, and 100 meaning perfect. 
And I will say for the first month after you get C. diff, your physical functioning by these quality of life scores are terrible, uh, equivalent to paraplegics in some way. Uh, it's hard to get out of bed. It's hard to move. It's very debilitating. And then in terms of the, the patient-reported outcomes, uh, I would like to focus on the anxiety. Uh, your first occurrence of the disease, people, okay, I can, I can handle this. But when it comes back again, the anxiety levels of it maybe never going away go through the roof. It, it is absolutely amazing the anxiety that this provokes in patients and without a doubt makes sense. If I'm going to never be able to leave my house and my physical functioning is terrible, I'm sure all of us would be very anxious. And I like to highlight that role and I think is an additional and very important factor in terms of the prevention of recurrence. So that ho- hopefully that gives you a high-level overview of, of what I do and then where I think we could truly impact with an anti-recurrence strategy with C. diff. Absolutely. And Dr. Gary, we can't thank you enough for sharing all of that information and your um, information and your view on that. And I know our global listeners will really appreciate that today. At this time, uh, we are going to already pause for a commercial break. When we return, we will continue learning more about ridinilazole, a microbiome-preserving antibiotic for the treatment of a C. difficile infection. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after these important messages. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Have you done any of these things today? Exited a restroom? Entered and exited a patient's room? Visited a doctor's office? Have you done this today? Washed your hands? Hand washing remains the single most important task of the day. It takes soap, water, a minimum of 30 seconds, and a clean, dry towel to turn off faucets and dry hands to stop giving germs a free ride. Keep safe from germs worldwide. Hand washing, number one in infection prevention. For additional information on hand washing instructions, visit cdifffoundation.org. The CDF Foundation offers global community support sessions. CDF can affect anyone at any age at any location in the world. Receive support from topic experts sharing information on nutrition, mental health, C. difficile prevention, treatments, and environmental safety, as well as learn about upcoming events, teleconferences, and support sessions. To register for a session, call the CDF Foundation at 1-844-4CDF. 1-844-367-2343 or visit us on the web at cdifffoundation.org Support is just a phone call or mouse click away. Because C. difficile lives on surfaces for weeks, because it infects nearly 500,000 Americans yearly, you need disinfectants you can trust. Clorox Healthcare bleach products, cited by more studies to kill C. diff than any other products. EPA registered to kill C. diff in as fast as three minutes. Trusted disinfectants to kill C. diff spores in hospitals, because even one C. diff infection is too many. Learn more at CloroxHealthcare.com. 
Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to C. diff, spores, and more. If you have a question, please send an email to info at cdifffoundation.org. Now, back to our program. Here again is your host, Nancy Kerala. Welcome back to C. diff, spores, and more global broadcasting network. And we welcome our listeners joining us today. It is a pleasure to reintroduce our guest, Dr. Kevin Gary, Chair, Department of Pharmacy Practice and Translational Research Professor of Pharmacy Practice at the University of Houston College of Pharmacy, Houston, Texas, and Dr. Richard Vickers, Chief Scientific Officer at Summit Therapeutics. Joining us today to discuss ridinilazole, a microbiome-preserving antibiotic for the treatment of a C. difficile infection. Dr. Gary, you highlighted before the break the problems with current treatments of C. difficile and the impact of this infection on patients. In your view, what is the ideal profile for a new antibiotic treatment? Sure, that's a wonderful question. So if, if you think about why a patient gets C. diff in the first place, it's almost always because they've, they've received another antibiotic to treat some other infection, which, which is hopefully a good thing. Hopefully that was appropriate. But while killing the bug that's causing the infection, you also do a lot of damage to your host microbiota or the good flora in your gut, as it's often described. And then this, is, this allows C. difficile to capture and grow and get hold in your colon, and that's essentially what causes the disease. So then if you're developing the perfect antibiotic to treat this disease, number one, you want it to kill the bug, goodbye, C. diff. And number two, you want to stop killing all the other microbiota. You want to ideally even let it grow back while you're on this very selective therapy. So that would be the one, two most important components. Now, the, the reason why you get C. diff, it produces very, two very potent toxins called toxin A and toxin B. So killing the bug is obviously a very effective way of making sure it doesn't produce toxins, so that's good. But if you had another mechanism whereby you might actually block toxin release at the same time, that would be also a very good property of the drug. So your ideal drug is going to be able to kill the bug, not kill your other good flora that lives in your gut, and as a third extra measure, you'd love it to block toxins as well, and that would be called the killer, most awesome C. diff antibiotic of all time. <laughs> yes, absolutely it would. Well, and Dr. Gary, you know, we thank you so much for sharing your views and the overview of the C. difficile infection, um, and we also thank you for joining us again today. At this time, uh, I would like to reintroduce our guest, Dr. Richard Vickers, Chief Scientific Officer at Summit Therapeutics. Welcome back, Dr. Vickers. Hello. Yes, thank you. (laughs) You're welcome. And Dr. Vickers, could you tell us more about Summit's antibiotic, ridinilazole, and what your hopes are with this new therapy? Absolutely. So as we discussed earlier, ridinilazole is really quite unique as an antibiotic for C. difficile infection in that it's 
got a highly targeted spectrum of activity. So what we mean by that is that it has activity limited to only a very select number of bacteria. And in particular, it has very good activity against C. difficile infection. And this absence of activity against other bacteria is perfect when you're thinking about developing a new C. diff antibiotic. And as Kevin very neatly highlighted just now, we have to very very important to consider that sort of complex community of bacteria that live within our gut that protect us from C. difficile and have so many other important functions in general human health because we know that there is already damage to that gut microbiota. That's why C. diff has been able to exploit a niche and cause disease. But we also know that actually with vancomycin and metronidazole that Kevin mentioned earlier that we use to treat C. difficile, they actually cause more damage to the gut flora. They have collateral damage to that bacterial community in the gut. And all that does is hold open a niche that C. difficile can exploit. And that's really what precipitates recurrent disease in so many cases. One of the beauties of having such a targeted antibiotic like ridonilazole is that you kill the C. diff, you kill that offending pathogen that's causing the disease in the first place, but you allow then that normal gut flora to start to recover at the earliest possible opportunity. And what you'll see then is that niche that C. diff can exploit is removed and hopefully therefore minimize recurrent disease. And really that's been our whole premise and rationale through the entire sort of five to eight years that we've been developing this compound. And really, we see that um, promise borne out, obviously, in the phase two data that we'll discuss shortly, but really, I think, addressing a key or met medical need in C. difficile. We really want to minimize recurrence. As Kevin so neatly pointed out, it's terribly deleterious to patient welfare. It's difficult for physicians to manage, and it's something we really need to get a better handle on. And the data from our phase two would suggest that we really are making a significant impact in this area. And really our hope is that the compound will become one of the mainstay treatment options up front for the treatment of C. difficile. Let's treat that first initial infection and make sure that we minimize as much as possible that chance of the disease ever coming back. Um, so we've now just completed the phase two, as I said, and that really helps build up on that picture. And we've got a very strong evidence base now that this is indeed what we're seeing. And I think as well, uh, you know, there's so many other sort of scientific attributes to the compound, such as shutting down toxin production, that I think really point to the potential for this compound to be used, we hope, up front in the treatment of C. difficile infection. Exactly. And we couldn't agree with you and Dr. Gary Moore with um, the, what the, the actual infection does to patients and um, the, the promising, um, you know, outcome for ridinilazole. And we're, I know that there are a lot of uh, global listeners right now who are patients who are smiling ear to ear with all of this information you're sharing. And we thank you both, really. Oh, pleasure. It's all my pleasure. all ours. Well, thank you. And Dr. Vickers, we're really excited to learn more about the clinical trials. Can you share the studies and where they are at this time? Absolutely. So to date, we've completed two clinical trials. The first clinical trial we did was a phase one study. So the first time that you ever look to investigate um, new potential new medicine in, in humans, you have to do a phase one clinical trial. This is a trial run in healthy volunteers, usually um, fit young men. And what you're looking to do is to do some early assessment for potential safety and pharmacokinetics and a few other measures. 
And that's really the first study you have to do before you can start to do any studies in patients. And that phase one trial was completed very successfully. We showed the compound to be safe and well tolerated in that trial. Uh, the compound was retained in the gut, so the compound is taken orally as a capsule or a tablet, but the compound remains in the gut, which is where the site of infection is, so that's absolutely ideal. And one of the interesting things we did in that phase one study was actually start to look at the effect of the compound on the bacteria that live in the gut, in the GI tract. And even at that early stage, we started to get very strong indication of just how targeted this antibiotic was to C. difficile and not causing any collateral ongoing damage to the, the normal bacteria that live in our GI tract. And really, I think then that started to build a lot of excitement about moving then into the phase two clinical trial, which is the next stage in development where we actually look to test the compound in patients for the first time. Well, that's wonderful, doctor, and thank you so much for sharing that. And Dr. Vickers, can you tell us more about the design of the Phase 2 trial and the data generated? Absolutely. So the Phase 2 trial was the first time we'd ever uh, looked to assess the potential efficacy of the drug in C. difficile patients. So this study was run in North America and Canada. We enrolled 100 patients into the study. Patients were either assigned to receive ridinilazole, a 10-day dosing course of ridinilazole, or they were assigned to receive vancomycin, again, standard 10-day course of vancomycin. And remember, vancomycin at this stage anyway is really considered our standard of care antibiotic for C. difficile. So patients received either ridinilazole or vancomycin, and then at the end of 10 days dosing, yes, we actually followed is, those and... patients for a further 30 days to see if they had return of the infection. And our primary endpoint, so what we mean by this is the thing we really wanted to study most in the, um, in the clinical trial was something called sustained clinical response. So this is defined as having a cure at the end of 10 days of antibiotic treatment and no recurrence in that one-month follow-up. And the data we generated in the study clearly showed that ridinilazole was superior to vancomycin in achieving this sustained clinical response. And what drove that was this greater than 60% reduction in rates of recurrent disease with ridinilazole versus vancomycin. So what we showed in this study is that the compound ridinilazole is effective at treating the initial infection, and we see a really large reduction in rates of recurrent disease. So that whole premise that we've had, that whole rationale and hypothesis all the way through development of the compound has been borne out in these early clinical data for the first time in C. difficile patients. Okay. And Dr. Vickers, before we go to break, um, this all sounds really exciting. And our, I know our listeners will be aware um, through that, that there is a lot of activity going on right now into de developing new C. difficile therapies. Do you have a sense as how your antibiotic will fit with other treatments that are in development? Yeah, absolutely. And actually, I tell you, it's a really exciting time in the field of C. difficile research. I mean, even since I entered the field some uh, sort of six, eight years ago, we've seen not only a dramatic increase in the number of potential ways that we might be able to target this disease and address the disease, but also I think in our basic scientific understanding of the disease as well. And I think a lot of this has, has brought out a lot of different types of approaches. So we know we potentially may have vaccines in the future. 
We also have numerous approaches that are looking to prevent recurrence after an initial infection, so things like antibodies against those bacterial toxins or mechanisms by which we can maybe replace those missing members of the gut flora to try and prevent recurrence. And fecal microbiota transplant that I'm sure is well known to many of your listeners is, uh, is one of those approaches. And all of these approaches really point, I think, to a couple of things. One, the importance of recurrent disease and how we manage recurrent disease. And I think many of these approaches will be looking to, to look at those patients who maybe have had multiple recurrences, but also points to the importance of the gut microbiome and how fundamental that is to the disease and why we, we must avoid any further damage. And I think why ridinilazole is such a targeted microbiome-preserving antibiotic has potential, I think, to be used really upfront for initial infections and first recurrences to try and minimize patients falling into spirals of uh, the infection repeatedly coming back. So uh, very excited about the future, really, for ridinilazole, and hopefully this will continue to be borne out in future work. Exactly. And thank you so much, Dr. Pickers and Dr. Gary, for sharing this news with our global listeners. And we are so appreciative of all of this information that you're sharing with us. And right now, we're going to pause for our commercial break. And when we return, we will continue learning more about ridinilazole, a microbiome-preserving antibiotic for the treatment of a C. difficile infection, with our guests, Dr. Kevin Gary and Dr. Richard Vickers. Please stay tuned. We'll be right back after these important messages. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Have you done any of these things today? Exited a restroom? Entered and exited a patient's room? Visited a doctor's office? Have you done this today? Washed your hands? Hand washing remains the single most important task of the day. It takes soap, water, a minimum of 30 seconds, and a clean, dry towel to turn off faucets and dry hands to stop giving germs a free ride. Keep safe from germs worldwide. Hand washing, number one in infection prevention. For additional information on hand washing instructions, visit cdifffoundation.org. The CDF Foundation offers global community support sessions. CDF can affect anyone at any age at any location in the world. Receive support from topic experts sharing information on nutrition, mental health, C. difficile prevention, treatments, and environmental safety, as well as learn about upcoming events, teleconferences, and support sessions. To register for a session, call the CDF Foundation at 1 844 4CDF. 1-844-367-2343 or visit us on the web at cdifffoundation.org Support is just a phone call or mouse click away. Because C. difficile lives on surfaces for weeks, because it infects nearly 500,000 Americans yearly, you need disinfectants you can trust. Clorox Healthcare bleach products, cited by more studies to kill C. diff than any other products. EPA registered to kill C. diff in as fast as three minutes. Trusted disinfectants to kill C. diff spores in hospitals, because even one C. diff infection is too many. Learn more at CloroxHealthcare.com. 
What sets apart VoiceAmerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main VoiceAmerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to C. diff, spores, and more. If you have a question, please send an email to info at cdifffoundation.org. Now, back to our program. Here again is your host, Nancy Kerala. Welcome back to C. diff, spores, and more, Global Broadcasting Network. We welcome our listeners joining us today, and it's a pleasure to reintroduce our guest to you, Dr. Kevin Gary, Chair, Department of Pharmacy Practice and Translational Research Professor of Pharmacy Practice at the University of Houston College of Pharmacy, Houston, Texas, and Dr. Richard Vickers, Chief Scientific Officer at Summit Therapeutics. They join us today to discuss Ridinilazole, a microbiome-preserving antibiotic for the treatment of C. difficile infection. At this time, I would like to reintroduce our guest, Dr. Richard Vickers, Chief Scientific Officer at Summit Therapeutics. Welcome back, Dr. Vickers. Uh, thank you for having me. Um, thank you for being here. And before break, we had a good run-through of the exciting data generated of your new antibiotic, Ridinilazole, in a Phase two trial. Taking a step back, can you tell our listeners more about the history and development of this antibiotic? Absolutely. So I, as I said, I've been working in infectious disease for my, uh, most of my career. And, but really, I started working on C. difficile in around 2007, 2008. And at the time, interestingly, I was working on a tuberculosis program, of all things. And one way or another, we became aware of a novel class of antibiotics and were we interested in working on them? And yes, of course, we were. And we recognized straight away just how selective these compounds would be for Clostridium difficile and how uh, the compounds would always be retained in the gut, the site of infection. And we really thought, well, this is just a perfect opportunity. This is the ideal early stage profile that you want for a C. difficile antibiotic. And it was those data that we generated that allowed us then to secure a lot of the funding from the Wellcome Trust that we've received um, and really helped to sort of progress the compound through those early discovery phases where we're doing the basic sort of lab-based work and to get us into clinical development and to the stage we are today. And I think um, we're really pleased with uh, where we've achieved um, data that we have. Wonderful. And Dr. Vickers, can you highlight some of the key data that you generated from these studies? Yeah, absolutely. So we knew from testing the antibiotic in lab against a wide range of C. difficile strains and isolates, but also a wide range of other bacteria that, as I said, we knew in lab anyway that the compound was very potent against C. difficile and and very selective. Uh, We also showed great efficacy in those early sort of disease models one has to run, and the toxicology profiles seemed very clean. 
And really, I think one of the things we've done on this program all the way from the beginning is really get out there and work with leading labs around the world on the compounds. So most of the data we generate is, is from these leading C. difficile labs scattered all over the globe, including Kevin Gary that we have on the line today. And one of the interesting things he showed very recently was that not only do we kill C. difficile, but even at concentrations of drug less than that required to kill the bacteria, we're shutting down toxins. And we know that the disease is mediated by these toxins that the bacteria produce, and these toxins cause the inflammation of the gut and the, the disease symptoms that we see. So not only do we kill the bacteria, we're also preventing the bacteria from manufacturing and producing these, these disease-causing toxins. So overall, actually, we've got really quite a, an extensive and exciting scientific package around the compound. And that's what's kept the, the whole momentum of things going to, to get through to where we are today. And it's wonderful. And we can't thank you enough for all of that information and all the good news. This is um, definitely a time to um, share the good news because there isn't a lot right now in the C. diff community, as you all know. No, I mean, uh, there is really certainly at the, uh, for, for all those patients day to day, we've got uh, quite a paucity of, of agents and we do need new medications getting to those patients uh, in a timely manner. Um, and I mentioned as well that we've been funded by the Wellcome Trust. So the Wellcome Trust is a large UK funder of life sciences. In fact, I think in the field of medical research, they're the second largest funder of research in the world. And they've been key as well to helping develop this compound to the stage it is now. We know that development of antibiotics has struggled a little bit in recent years with the large pharmaceutical companies not being that interested. But I think over time and in recent years, we're seeing a shift back to an excitement about developing new antibiotics and getting funding in order to do that. Um, and also we're seeing um, good news coming from the regulators, people like the FDA who have put uh, large numbers of incentives in place to help us develop these new antibiotics and ridinilazole has received many of these incentives such as qualified infectious disease product designation and fast track designation and a whole raft of other measures that really help make sure that the compounds and new antibiotics that are so needed in hospitals and clinics all over the world are actually being developed and brought forward. Exactly. And Dr. Vickers, you just mentioned um, briefly, you mentioned the FDA, the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. What involvement have you had with them at this time? Well, clearly the phase two trial that we ran was done in North America. Um, so we have had uh, numerous interactions with the FDA and uh, obviously in order to be able to run clinical trials. As I said, they've also awarded us something called QIDP designation, which is a, a special package of incentives and measures that they've developed to help develop antibiotics. So we're very grateful for receiving that designation. Um, and obviously we will continue to work with the FDA and regulatory bodies all over the world indeed as we continue to develop the compound further through the clinic and heading towards phase three. Okay. And Dr. Vickers, it's so interesting to learn more about the early development of ridinilazole. And having now completed the phase two trial, what is the next step for ridinilazole? And what can you tell us about your future strategy to support its development? So phase three clinical trials are the next stage. Phase two is when you have a 
first assessment of some efficacy in patients. These are typically quite small studies, but give you proof of principle that the drug does seem to work. So the next stages are to move into phase three. Phase three studies are much larger studies with a broader patient population. These studies that we plan to run will be run not only in the US, but in Europe and indeed uh, probably in territories all over the world. And these will be, as I say, much larger studies, but it's really where we confirm the, the level of efficacy we have for the drug. And on the basis of those uh, trials, that's when hopefully one can um, approach the regulators to get approval to market the drug and, as I said previously, uh, bring it to the much-needed therapy for patients with C. difficile infection. Uh, very excited about that next stage, and uh, we're busy doing a lot of the fairly extensive groundwork that's needed to be able to kick those studies off. And Dr. Vickers, what's the purpose of these, you know, phase three trials and how are they typically designed? So these studies have to be much larger than the phase two studies. You're going to be looking at a much broader patient population. So you will be seeing more real world type patients than maybe you've seen in early clinical development. Um, the studies are designed to sort of give that final confirmatory level of efficacy of the drug that you would uh, then use to help go for market approval. But I think importantly, one of the things we want to do in phase three as well is continue the sort of high quality science that we've been doing up to date. So one of the sort of things I've had all the way through the development of this compound is that we really understand the science behind the way this drug is working. And that's something we'll continue to develop in phase three so that we really understand just how potentially efficacious this drug is. And uh, as I say, we're busy doing the preparatory work for those studies and uh, very much looking forward to moving that com the compound into the next stages of development. Well, that's fantastic news, Dr. Vicker, and thank you so much for sharing this information with our global listeners right now. And at this time, we're going to pause for a commercial break. When we return, we will continue learning more about ridinilazole, a microbiome-preserving antibiotic for the treatment of AC difficile infection, with our guests, Dr. Kevin Gary and Dr. Richard Vickers. Stay tuned. We'll be right back after these important messages. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Have you done any of these things today? Exited a restroom? Entered and exited a patient's room? Visited a doctor's office? Have you done this today? Washed your hands? Hand washing remains the single most important task of the day. It takes soap, water, a minimum of 30 seconds, and a clean dry towel to turn off faucets and dry hands to stop giving germs a free ride. Keep safe from germs worldwide. Hand washing, number one in infection prevention. For additional information on hand washing instructions, visit cdifffoundation.org. The CDF Foundation offers global community support sessions. CDF can affect anyone at any age at any location in the world. Receive support from topic experts sharing information on nutrition, mental health, C. difficile prevention, treatments, and environmental safety, as well as learn about upcoming events, teleconferences, and support sessions. To register for a session, call the CDF Foundation at 1-844-4CDF. 
1-844-367-2343 or visit us on the web at cdifffoundation.org. Support is just a phone call or mouse click away. Because C. difficile lives on surfaces for weeks, because it infects nearly 500,000 Americans yearly, you need disinfectants you can trust. Clorox Healthcare bleach products, cited by more studies to kill C. diff than any other products. EPA registered to kill C. diff in as fast as three minutes. Trusted disinfectants to kill C. diff spores in hospitals, because even one C. diff infection is too many. Learn more at CloroxHealthcare.com. What sets apart VoiceAmerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main VoiceAmerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. Get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on Twitter. Find us at VoiceAmericaTRN or Twitter.com forward slash VoiceAmericaTRN. You are listening to C. diff, spores, and more. If you have a question, please send an email to info at cdifffoundation.org. Now, back to our program. Here again is your host, Nancy Kerala. Welcome back to C. diff, spores, and more, Global Broadcasting Network. We welcome our listeners joining us today, and it's a pleasure to reintroduce our guest, Dr. Kevin Gary, Chair, Department of Pharmacy Practice and Translational Research Professor of Pharmacy Practice at the University of Houston College of Pharmacy, Houston, Texas, and Dr. Richard Rickers, Chief Scientific Officer at Summit Therapeutics, joining us today to discuss ridinilazole, a microbiome-preserving antibiotic for the treatment of a C. difficile infection. Welcome back, doctors. Thank you. Hello. Thank you. You're welcome. Dr. Gary, we're going to start with you and ask you, before we close today's program, would you like to share your thoughts and comments with our global listeners at this time? Sure, I'd love to. Uh, So if you remember in an early segment of this program, I I sort of said the uh, the optimal therapy for C. diff would be an antibiotic that, that kills the bug, hopefully even prevents toxin release, and then doesn't kill your microbiota. Maybe you would then consider adding on something else to augment your microbiota, but you could consider that uh, down the line, and then augment the host response too, and that's being taken care of by the vaccines and the monoclonal antibodies currently in development. So in that picture, ridinazole fits very nicely into this. Uh, It kills the bug tremendously well, uh, shuts down toxins, and preserves the microbiota. It doesn't do any further killing. So if the phase three can replicate the phase two results, it should be a very important addition to the, to the real positive effective antibiotics we have to prevent C. diff recurrence. So it's been wonderful for me to help participate in the program, and I'm really excited to see its future development in place. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Gary, and we do, too. We're right there with you. And Dr. Vickers, would you like to take this opportunity to share your thoughts and comments with our listeners before we close today's program? Oh, absolutely, Nancy. And uh, I just want to thank you again for bringing me on to the show and for giving us the opportunity to talk about ridinilazole, which 
I think certainly from the data we've generated today, we're very excited about its potential. Um, as Kevin says, we, we need to get into phase three studies and make sure we replicate the great data we've generated so far. But really, the whole profile of the compound is really ticks all those boxes one needs for a new C. diff antibiotic. And again, as I say, very excited about the future. And I think also very excited to have the opportunity to work with the C. diff Foundation. I think one of the areas of C. diff research or maybe awareness, I don't know how you describe it, that's lacking is actually that patient perspective. I think that's often really considered, as, as Kevin said earlier, just nuisance diarrhea infection of a few patients. And I think really that's not the true story at all with C. difficile. It, it can be a potentially devastating disease. We've seen remarkable increase in the number of cases in US and Europe and potentially in other places all around the world. So I think it's great that we are now starting to see groups come forward that can really raise awareness of the disease and really highlight particularly the impact the current disease can have on patients. So I think that's been a wonderful opportunity. Uh, we're very much looking forward as well to your annual conference in September. So we will be there and uh, I will be presenting and that may be a chance to present to some of your listeners a lot more detail and specifics around some of the data we've generated in the clinical uh, trials so far. And of course, feel free to go to our website where we have plenty more information available about the compound and uh, you can find that at www.summitplc.com. But as I say, very excited about the future and very pleased to be working with the C. diff Foundation and all the fabulous work they're doing in, to raise awareness of C. difficile and, and what a terrible um, disease it can be in many cases. So thank you very much for inviting me on, Nancy. Oh, you're so welcome, Dr. Vickers and Dr. Gary, both of you. And I really look forward to having you back next year so that we can receive more updates on um, ridinilazole and all the good work that you are both doing, too. And Dr. Gary and Vickers, um, Dr. Vickers, and we thank you so much again for joining us today to discuss Summit Therapeutics Antibiotic, ridinilazole, a microbiome-preserving antibiotic for the treatment of a C. difficile infection with our global listeners. Before we close our program today, on behalf of the members of the C. diff Foundation, we would like to extend our gratitude to Clorox Healthcare, Summit Therapeutics, Rebiotics, Ceres Therapeutics, and Tomi Environmental Solutions Steramist for being platinum sponsors of the fourth annual International Raising C. diff Awareness Conference and Health Expo taking place on September 20th in Atlanta, Georgia. We would also like to express our gratitude to all of the corporate sponsors and exhibitors who are participating participating at this year's conference. We look forward to meeting everyone on September 20th in Atlanta. Visit the C. diff Foundation's website, cdifffoundation.org, for the 2016 conference page and additional information. Please join us every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time, and 6 p.m. in the U.K. as we discuss up-to-date information with topic experts and corporate professionals whose focus is C. difficile infection prevention, treatments, environmental safety products, and much more. Once again, we thank our official sponsor, Clorox Healthcare, for making this program possible. Please visit their website, cloroxhealthcare.com forward slash C. diff radio. We send out our get well wishes to all of the patients being treated and recovering from a C. difficile infection and all wellness draining illnesses across the globe. I'm your host, Nancy Corrala, and until next week, none of us can do this alone. All of us can do this together. Thank you again for joining us this week. Thank you. Have a great day. 
Thank you for tuning in this week for C. diff, spores, and more. Be sure to join your host, Nancy Kerala, again next Tuesday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time. That's 1 p.m. Eastern Time for another edition of our program on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. None of us can do this alone. All of us can do this together. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.